Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And welcome back to another episode of Life Exchange. Uh, and just a reminder, we would love to hear from you. Uh, if you have any questions that you'd like to send in or comments on things that we've said, you can email us at lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. So we're going to get right into it today, uh, starting out with our first question, uh, which was sent in by someone. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you anonymous just in case. <laughs> um, but the first question is, how do I love, value, and accept people who have different beliefs or religions than I do? Which is such a big question because um, I think especially in a you know postmodern world, we're up against this so much more um, than ever before. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts is to try to think God's thoughts, right? <laughs> and have his perspectives and view things through the grid of his heart and his purpose for mankind. So the fact is, we all live life. We've all had so many experiences. So we adopt beliefs and perspectives and, and different things to empower us to survive and get through life. And the fact is for us to judge people and be critical and not love them and condemn them, I mean, it will just make us miserable. But the fact is, if we can say, my goodness, God loves these individuals. And so my responsibility isn't to fix them, isn't to change them, isn't to try to influence them to believe like I believe. My role is just to represent Christ on the earth. Mm -hmm. And I think if we do that, uh, we will be like him when he says, God so loved the world that he gave. So what am I giving to these people? Yeah. Now, what am I demanding from them? But what can I give them? Mm -hmm. I think you stated a mistake that a lot of people make is, it's my responsibility to fix someone. It's my responsibility to change someone. It's my responsibility to convict someone. And I found that, or I've learned over time that I really don't have the power to change someone. Right. So I don't even try to make it happen. But I will say that we do have the Holy Spirit with inside of us. And mm -hmm. if we surrender to his leading, now that has a real chance to impact someone's life. And it's really only the Holy Spirit that can convict someone's heart, but I can be a vessel of that. So um, if you're interacting with these relationships of people that have different views, different religions, try to connect to the heart of the Father towards them and recognize that you don't have the power to change them. It's only the Holy Spirit that can truly convict a heart or change a heart. Correct. Yeah, I think in the church world especially, this can be really challenging, especially if you grew up in um, religion or in Christianity, because a lot of what we've been taught is and it's not necessarily wrong. Like if, if we don't tell them the gospel, then who right. will? Mm -hmm. This is this is their soul at stake. Um, so that that um, propensity to like that this is how we are a good Christian. This is how we present the gospel is um, is to present it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I think it can be challenging because um, then we can lean on the other side and say, well, I'll just if we just love them, but we don't ever present the truth, then, you know, will they ever come to Jesus or will they just feel good? And I, I think, I know the perspective we come from in, you know, just seeing that person, valuing them, loving them, allowing the Holy Spirit to convict. But I do think it's worth bringing up that, you know, a lot of the church, and again, not wrongly so, has that 
that high value for souls uh, and not not losing that, not forgetting that. And so I think it is really it is following the Holy Spirit because even the word says some by compassion, some by fire. Um, basically, you know, for some show them kindness, for some speak them, speak to them the truth because their soul is at, is at risk here. Um, and so it is following the leadership of the Lord because I don't know that we can necessarily say all the time one way is correct over the other way. Right. Well, if you're looking for step one and two, three and four, yeah, yeah. you know, it does, life doesn't <laughs> work that, that way. way. Yeah. yeah. And I think if our heart is for someone's good, uh, we will preach the good news. Mm-hmm. And we... We're not going to condemn them, but we're going to be free to be ourselves. So we get to be a living epistle read of all men. So we demonstrate um, our beliefs, our quote unquote, I hate using the word religion, but uh, our uh, our religious beliefs, we communicate them by living them. Yeah. And then if we live them in a way that draws people to us that says, you're different than anybody I've ever seen. That's what opens up the door for us to communicate the Mm -hmm. gospel and the plan of salvation, because how shall they hear unless there be a preacher? So I think we first preach with our heart and our attitude. We preach with our lifestyle. We preach with... um, do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Mm -hmm. And in the process, people's hearts will open to us. And then we can give them a reason for our hope. Yeah. Yeah. And and then along the same lines, I think um, sometimes as Christians, our goal is to get people in church and mm-hmm. uh, instead of just getting them to know Jesus, you know, Jesus never, he didn't, he wasn't a church recruiter. <laughs> he, he was just the way, the truth and the life. Uh, and so the way he lived his life, the way he related to people um, drew them into conviction, into change, into repentance. Um, but it's not about getting people to join our club. And so if we're talking about, you know, how do I... Um, the question was, how do I love, value, and accept people who have different religions or beliefs than I do? I think it's don't try to make them like you. Don't try to get them in your club. Don't try to get them in your church even. It's um, it's love them, value them. Just, just like the question asks, just do those things. Um, because I think the easy go-to in religion is to cut off anyone who's not like us. Um, and so we try to make them like us or we cut them off. Um, and that's just, that's just not what Jesus did. Um, Jesus fellowshiped with them. He went to dinner with them. He sat with them. He spoke with them. Um, and through that is when the change came. Amen. (laughs) One practical thing that you can do is don't lose your sense of wonder and discovery of people. Now, I'm mm. not going to say this in a weird way, but I love to people watch. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's not really malls anymore, but we went to an amusement park a couple weeks ago, and I just love sitting on the bench. And you got to do it in a tactful way, but <laughs> you like love watching people walk by. I was like, I wonder what their story's like. I wonder, wow, that's a unique outfit. I wasn't I love expecting. that you said that. I wonder what their story is like. Yeah. I like that. That's a good statement. And so it... If you don't value people, you won't have an open door for discussion. And so I think that's a mentality that has to change um, if you're going to really impact people's lives. Be interested in who they are yeah. and discover. And, and in my case, you know, 
find out what makes them tick, you know, uh, discover, like learn about them. Like if you're always just trying to uh, battle out ideas, I I think you're you're missing the point. Right. Yeah, I love that. I mean, curiosity is a high value of mine. Um, but I think that's that is so key. Just being interested in people, learning about them. Just what you said. I I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't value the person, I'll put it this way: you have to truly value a person. When or when you value a person, it's easier to battle ideas. Because yeah. when you because a lot of times when you battle out ideas, you can make it personal. Mm-hmm. But if you truly value them, you're going to maintain that honor in disagreement. Correct. Yeah. And and it's there's a, a basic culture that has exponentially increased in our nation in our world that if we don't agree, we can't find value. Yeah. We can't connect. We mm-hmm. can't be friends. We can't uh, We can't find any common ground. So like you said earlier, just write them off. Mm-hmm. And I think when we confront that destructive cultural narrative, then we will automatically be a light in a dark world. We're automatically going to be set apart and look different than the way the world functions. And I think that's going to be very attracting. And I don't think it's just in reaching a non-believer. I think often there are different beliefs in the body of Christ, which can really divide. And we can get into these big discussions where we're attacking another Christian's belief. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really destructive and divisive in the body of Christ. So we then begin to represent a message that is not a kingdom message to the world. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the church has to rise up. And if my people would humble themselves and pray, if we would turn from our wicked ways, then he would hear from heaven and he'll heal our land. Well, I thought you had to have perfect theology to get into heaven. Gosh. I don't think any of us Jesus would make it. Jesus is perfect theology. It's what Bill Johnson says. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is. He's That's the right. way to the Father. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I love the curiosity piece as well, because I think the more we show curiosity to, towards other people, the more they show curiosity towards us. It keeps the door open and then we can actually just be who we are. And um, I think, you know, when you when you have that kind of openness towards a person, often they might have a totally, they might worship another God than you. But if they recognize that there's value there, that there's curiosity, that there's openness there. Not value there, in the belief, value, right, in, value the in the person. Yes. Um, then honestly, they oftentimes they don't care if you believe something totally different and they're more open to hearing about that because you didn't put up a wall. You actually opened that door to relationship with them, which to me, that's really key because, um, you know, getting out of the world where our circle is only people who believe the same as us, um, then you do, you have to be, it's like, it's kind of like not to get political, but it's kind of like sometimes Christians are like, well, we have to put, we have to allow God in schools, but only our God and not any other God. And then it just gets like, well, then we're, we're separating again. We're going back into only me and nothing else. And it's just not going to, to me, that's not going to be impactful because you are then saying, well, you're wrong. You're, you're, 
ways of thinking are wrong. Your ways of believing are wrong. And that's just not going to open a door ever to allow for there to be any kind of bridge of connection and allow for there to be any kind of room for the Holy Spirit to do his part um, because we're just cutting everybody off. Yeah, I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. If you're going to make this work, you have to be willing to allow things to be complicated. (laughs) Because if you want things to be simple, stay with like-minded people. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. If you want an adventure and you want to go where God takes you and leads you, you have to be okay with accepting some level of discomfort, some level of complexity, some level of nuance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I was just, what I was going to say earlier, and that fits in really well, is how do I feel if I'm criticized, if I'm judged, if I'm attacked? I'm not going to want to hear anything that person has to say. And that, so why would we expect the world to be hungry for the light that we carry when we put it under a bushel basket of our attitudes or our criticism or our judgment um, and having to be right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I think if we can just in humility, just love people as Christ loved them, Mm -hmm. then that'll open up the doors of people's hearts. And I would say that it, this discussion works if someone's ideas and beliefs only remain just ideas. The reason Mm. I say that is someone might believe it's okay to murder people. Well, then this approach is a little different than (laughs) just having a heart-to-heart conversation, in my opinion, at least. yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Unless you think differently, Katie. <laughs> Let's love I'm trying to wrap di- my brain around what you just said. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying like sometimes people in all religions, it's more of just a thought process, not actually, it's not, it's not manifested in how they live. And when that does happen and it, it could be in an abusive way or, um, destroying life, well, that will take a different type of approach than just having a diplomatic approach, I guess. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is a little deeper than we need to go, but (laughs) I don't know. That's just how I think. I think we we have to hold to our convictions. I do think that is important uh, when we're saying, you know, love and openness and all of those things. I think you have to remain solid in your own convictions. I think that is a very important key here because otherwise if we're... Um, so open to everyone's way of thinking, then we, we're we mixing. We're, you know, we're floundering for what we even believe. Not and, that- I, and I would add some ideas are bad and some ideas are evil. Yes. And so I, I don't think we should like dance around that, yeah. that some ideas and some practices are wrong. Yes. And to the point of evil and... um. Yeah. So yeah. this this discussion's a little bit more complex. I think in the beginning we were talking more of like, hey, you you're at college and you meet new people and how do you work through that? But like, there's also a, a bigger sense of like, th- this is a whole lot more complicated than how we first made it out to be. Yeah. Well, it often gets that way. Well, it's funny. I was like, this one's going to be a short answer, and then we're we're at 17 minutes already. Yeah, because I mean. 
if as a believer, if the word of God is your foundation, your plumb line, and another religion or another viewpoint is directly opposed to that, you do have to be aware that it is opposed to what you believe. Because if you start thinking, well, maybe it's not so bad, then you're walking away from from the foundations of the pillars of your own faith. Um, so yeah, there's that caution. But I think you can also have value and respect and honor towards a person and hold very different beliefs and hold exactly. fast to those very different beliefs. That's what I wanted well, I wanted to bring in because we cannot compromise who God has called us to be and you know the objective absolute truth of the word of God and that's held inside of me and it my beliefs shape my actions shape how I treat people and if you look at the core beliefs of Christianity is God so loved the world correct mm-hmm. so we're going we've got to love the world that doesn't mean when we're having discussions with people that we're taking it, embracing it, believing it, going to walk in it, get mm-hmm. shaken in it because if we are unshakable in what if we are unshakable in what we believe, we can love unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're talking to a person who believes you can just murder, rape, do whatever, you know, then I think uh Well, this is in gone- the church as well. It's like I think that there is a way that church leaders need to interact and lead people through love and compassion and all those things. But if you have some someone in the church that's molesting their daughter, you have to do. There with is it. a yeah. different. I'm not saying that it can't be in love. Well, love for the one that's being violated, mm-hmm. but the, I, truth in love, justice in love. Yeah, a, and there's a big difference between uh, what people do. Well, that's what I'm saying. If things are just ideas and you're battling out ideas, that's a little different than someone practically putting into practice what they actually believe. And Mm -hmm. some, like I said, some ideas are bad. Some ideas are evil. Some ideas are uh, reprehensible. And you have to, that's that's the world that we live in as well, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From my perspective... Well, not just from my, scientifically speaking, the human being, and according to Genesis, we were made in the image of God. So anybody who's functioning and believing and walking in those things, not, they're, we're not talking about a person who's seeking, trying to find truth. We're, and when a, a person really has evil motivations and those type of things, that is a person most miserable because obviously the things that they think, the things that they do are being destructive to them. They are destroying themselves from the inside out mm-hmm. because the very human being is not to des- designed to walk with those uh, evil immoral, unethical, destructive ways of functioning. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're talking about, you know, a reprobate mind. So there's all, there's, the Bible talks about the different minds, correct? And the different soils and those type of things. So I think where this question came from was more, hey, I'm in a social environment and people believe different things. How can I love them even when we believe different things? Yeah, it is complex because we're in this world, but we're also to be set apart. Yeah. And so that that's not always easy to do. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. 
I think my answer to every question always will be follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, then do we need this podcast anymore? If that's, I, I mean, well, I agree with the answer. If I I'm have just saying. to remind my own self every day, many times a day, then I think we all need that reminder. The person that asked this was like, yes, I was getting something and then it went off the rails <laughs> and, and I'm very confused right and- now. <laughs> Follow Jesus. (laughs) I think, I think just to keep going with it, I think everybody also has to understand their sphere, their own capacity, because some people, they're called right into the middle of those things of different, you know, religion. We have friends who, um, they have, um, they have great influence in nations where their beliefs would be illegal. Um, and some people are called right into that. Right. Some people are called to be um, that that voice of reconciliation and love and, and compassion in those spheres. And others m- might not be, you know, you're still called to love people and value and all those things, but you that might not be your sphere that God has placed you in. So I think it is different depending on who you are, where you're called, um, so, and you can value a person and not value their actions and not value their beliefs. And you know what? If it got to the point where th- there was such um, animosity or contradiction that you that you could not be in relationship with that person, even you know the Bible yeah. speaks about yeah. um, you know go to them, confront them with truth. If they don't believe, it, if they don't receive it. Um, give them over to the Lord. And, um, but then he also says, pray for your enemies. Yeah. Because that, I think that is what allows our heart to remain soft. It it allows um, him to do what only he can do. Um, and it, it ke- just keeps us tender to where we're not um, judging and we're not putting up those walls. It, it draws our heart to his heart. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what's so important when he says, pray for your enemies. It's not just like, well, let everybody walk over you. No, it's, it's cling to his heart for that person because that is what will transform form them um, more than we ever could. And I love that because when we pray, then we start seeing through... The Father's eyes. eyes. And honestly, when we are in that place with our God, he will give us grace. Mm -hmm. So we're just kind of throwing out a lot of things, but we're not talking about the supernatural grace that we need as believers to be able to do that well. Mm -hmm. And if you're called to a place, you have the grace to walk that Exactly. Yeah. And grace always brings wisdom. So are we back to the one topic podcast now? No, no, no. Let's go to the next question. <laughs> All right. I, I have noticed that that we're getting freer to communicate how we communicate off the mic. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Which could be scary for some people. Yeah. It's kind of like when Erin and I first got married, she would be like, why do your mom and you yell at each other? And we're like, we're not yelling at each other. We're just passionately communicating. <laughs> so if you start to hear some intensity ramp up here, it's very real. It's, it's all in, you know, love, but it is, you're getting authentically us. What? Yeah. I mean, I could add more, time, but, but all right, we, let's won't, move we won't dig a hole. <laughs> all right. Question number two, uh, what are tips for making friends, especially when starting from scratch in a new place? Talk about a change of... uh, (laughs) Spun the wheel in a whole other direction. 
Do you want me to start out? You can start out. We'll probably all pick the same scripture for this one. I don't know. I don't have a scripture. So so. tips for making friends. And I want you to know that this is coming from an expert. (laughs) If you don't know me, that that was sarcasm. (laughs) So I just wrote down a couple of things that the Holy Spirit gave me because... (laughs) Was this your question? No, this was Did you ask this? No, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, this was me asking it. Yeah. So the first one was, you have to let your face know that you want to make friends. <laughs> Sit down and have a discussion with your face and say, it's okay to smile. Yeah. All right? Like I just had a conversation with, with someone uh, that we're bringing onto the team. And I basically just said, you know, I know I look really scary, but I want the best for you. <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing is, Make friends by being friendly. Yeah, it's just a simple principle. If you want to make friends, be a have a friendly disposition. Mm-hmm. The next one is don't jump to conclusions. You'll set yourself up for failure. So if you walk into the room and you're mm-hmm. like, "Well, they already don't they don't like me. Yeah. Why are they looking at me this way? Um, I'm going to hide in the corner, and then I know I'll I'll know I'm loved when they come over and talk to me. Mm-hmm. You know." Uh, another one is a new place means a new slate. Mm. Uh, there was this guy that came into our church a long time ago and he was just this passionate worshiper, like really, really passionate. And the guy was like 65, 70 and he's dancing and jumping. And one time I talked to him, I was like, where did like, how did this happen? Like, how did you become such a passionate worshiper? And he's like, I wasn't always this way. When I started coming to this church, I made a decision. This is a new environment. This is a new place. Mm. And I'm going to do it the right way. And so sometimes a new place is a new opportunity for you to reinvent maybe some walls that you placed up before, step out and and, uh, express yourself in a new way. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. Tips from an expert. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in one of your things, you have to show yourself friendly, and that's biblical, because in Proverbs it says, uh, for a man who has friends, he must first show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It goes mm-hmm. on to say that. So we have to first show ourselves friendly. We can't expect someone to be to us what we're not willing to be to them. Uh, I think another area is we cannot go into a place wearing a mask, trying to get people to like us. I think we have to settle in our heart. Uh, th- this is who we are. This is the value that I carry. Uh, this is how uh, I invest, how I contribute. This is Melody. This is just Melody, or this is just us, right, Mm -hmm. in this podcast. And, you know, getting rid of the masks, getting rid of the facades, you know, that we wear to try to get someone to like us or see the good in us, rather than recognizing we're just a human being just like everybody else, good, bad, and ugly. And uh, not that you take everything inside of you and dump it all out right away, but just being authentic is is really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say practically, if you're trying to make friends, put yourself around people, put yourself in the space with Don't other people. Don't hide in the corner. Yeah, if you every day, if you uh, eat your lunch, you know, by yourself across town, then you're not putting yourself in an opportunity to meet other people around you. Um, and I, as a deeply introverted person, I 
that is my creature comfort to go be alone in my own space and then wonder why I don't have any friends. So <laughs> like, so you just, you got to put yourself in the space with other people. Sometimes that's uncomfortable. And then if you're an extroverted person, you might love to be around people, but you love that proximity and you love the small talk, but you don't actually develop any kind of depth in the relationship because that's a little harder for you. Um, and you know, I'm using introvert, extrovert very loosely. Some people don't like those categories, but um, you know, if you know, if you find yourself leaning towards one side or the other, I think um, again, be friendly. I mean, introduce yourself. I think that's a. I hear that from people. Well, you know, I don't know what to say. Well, hello is a great first. <laughs> first start. Just introduce yourself. Hello, my name is... Um, and then go from there. I don't like small talk. I don't think I'm very good at it. Um, but I I can smile at them and I can ask questions. That uh, introvert tip number one that I learned a long time ago, ask questions. People generally enjoy talking about themselves. Um, and then if you're a good listener, you're listening to what they're saying, not just thinking, oh, what am I going to say next? But if you listen to what they're saying, you can find a common interest and that's how conversations begin. You um, are listening to them. They say something they like, Indian food. I like Indian food. Well, then that gives you another question you can ask, you know, do you know any good places? And it just kind of grows from there. This might seem super basic, but I do think as a culture, especially younger generations with social media and, um, and there is a lot more isolation just culturally now in our world, I think we have lost the art of conversation. We've lost the ability to just naturally connect because we are always on technology or um, because our attention span has gotten shorter or for whatever reason, um, we have lost that ability to just sit down and have a conversation or even have small talk with a person. It can get really scary and we'd rather just stand there on our phones. I am speaking as a person who would rather stand there on her phone. <laughs> so, um, you know, find common interests, gives An you a talking point. Another tip that I thought of as you were talking, try to find topics to talk about that are relatable. Like if you start the conversation and say, so what's your political view? <laughs> Probably um, not the best thing. So maybe think of things, well, this is what I could talk about that could be relatable to others and kind of have that in in your like, uh, what are those things that you put arrows in? A quiver. Yeah. So, yeah. so have a quiver of questions. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I just like listening too, because that will give you that inroad. Okay, insert favorite food here, insert, you know, um, family dynamic here or whatever that would be that's easy for you to talk about. I think people will grab a hold of passion. If you're passionate about something or if they're passionate about something, then you're like, oh, okay, they, this is an inroad for me to relate to, connect to, ask questions in, um, you know, and I think also you have to be intentional about this. Like I said, you got to put yourself in the space. Sometimes, you know, even in the single dating world, it's like, well, I'm just waiting for the person to come along. Well, if you never put yourself around other people just in general, you're kind of setting yourself up for... <laughs> if your only place to meet new people is the family reunion. <laughs> oh my God. That's a little... Uh... Can be awkward. Yeah. Well, yeah. We won't go into the incest route here. But. I wasn't even thinking that. I was just maybe don't only go to the couples group. Or like, 
just be around other people. Um, make time. I think I, I like, you know, we all eat meals are a really great way to do this. And also that you can put a time limit on it. Like a lunch doesn't have to last all day. So if, Hey, I've got an hour. My introverted self may only be able to handle an hour. (laughs) So let's have lunch. It's going to last from this time to this time. And sometimes you're going to connect with a person and sometimes you're not. You also have to recognize that, that some is going to be easier to connect than other people. One thing that's really helped me has been purchasing clothing that relates to people. (laughs) In the case for me, it's like wearing a chief's hat. You know, I'll just be walking down the street. Hey, how about those cheese? Or, you know, like Aiden might wear a band shirt. Like His son. Yeah, my son will wear like an artist shirt. And someone will be like, yeah, I love them. They're awesome or whatever. So that's what I was saying, finding things that people can relate to. And some people just aren't sports people. But I think that's a great unifier because like I've had Raiders fans come up to me and talk to me just out of the blue just because I had a Chiefs hat on. Yeah. Yeah. So and you, you talk about rivals, huh? Yeah. There have been and, rivals and for no years. And no one was heard in the making of this. <laughs> Boy, you guys are in completely different. You're, you you guys do think differently than me. Because my, my first thing in this, but I did want to bring it up right away because it was spiritual, but um, be prophetic. Yeah. You know, I ask the Lord all the time whether I'm connecting with people for the first time in a ministry setting or in a marketplace setting or in a professional setting or a personal setting. You know, I'll just stop and I say, Lord, speak to me about this person. I want, you know, I want to know what you have placed inside of them. And you Be- have to do that tactfully. Oh, it's just between me and Jesus. Yeah, I know. Um, but I know that you said be prophetic and people can be really weird with oh, that. No, no, no. That. I don't and say so I'm the Lord says no. That might be a way Hi, I'm Melody. To, uh, I heard the Lord say this about you. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's Did just... Did this happen in your childhood? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, this is so I'm aware. No, and it's really... I want to see the gifts. I want to see the good. Lord, reveal to me uh, the beauty in this person, yeah. the treasure. I'm not asking for a word of wisdom of her childhood, even though I've I already had that. I just wanted but- to <laughs> clarify to the listeners, I know you're hard in this, but what people hear yeah. could Might be something be very differently. Uh, so... What I'm doing, first of all, it's taking my thoughts and my mind uh, to make an investment in them. So to show yourself friendly, it's not just what I'm going to get. The way to really have friends is to be willing to make an investment. So ultimately, there can be, quote unquote, an exchange of life, correct? And so actually, there was there was an individual I met for the first time, and I knew they were a believer, and I didn't prophesy or anything, but I said, do you know what I see about you? And I just gave some things and they just burst into tears. And I thought, oh, that must have been prophetic right there. And um, and I'm not saying it was or wasn't. Hopefully but, like happy tears. Yeah, or- <laughs> it was happy tears. It was happy tears. Um, but if, if I... If I meet someone and my focus isn't trying to get something from them Mm -hmm. or even to develop a friendship, but just to make investment into that, because God hasn't called everyone to be our best buddy. Even 
Jesus had the multitudes. He had the 70, he had the 12, he had the three, and he had the one. He wasn't trying to make the 70 the 12, and he wasn't trying to make the 12 the one or the three. So if I'm out to try to just get a bunch of friends, then it's kind of self-driven, ego-driven, because friendship is about, you know, the exchange of life. So if I put myself on what can I give, what can I invest, Lord, show me the beauty that's inside of them. If if that is my focus, first of all, it gets rid of all fear because I'm not driven by my need. Mm-hmm. I'm focused on giving. And when you give, fear is dismantled because... I'm doing the right thing at the right place for the right purpose without any agenda whatsoever other than, you know, wanting to know the value that's inside of them. So that's kind of my thing. And then if something develops from that into a true friendship, that's beautiful. Um, but, But I guess the older I get, I'm really not searching for a boatload of friends. Yeah. Were you ever like that? Probably not. Yeah, so <laughs> so that was kind of like a little false because you're like the older I get. No, but, you've always been that way. No, yeah. And yes. yet everyone loves you. So <laughs> and, uh, and but see, like I just I've never been a surface person. Yeah. Um like that's true. Yeah, it's like I'm... I'm Like in these discussions, we're like talking, ha, 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 and she's like brings weight. It's like, okay, well, this conversation turned. Yeah, it's like I'm I'm a... I've always been a... She is never looking to flatter you. She is always looking to like impact your life. Yeah, I I don't... I hate flattery. I despise flattery. So, um, yeah, it's... uh, So I... Tell me what you think. So (laughs) I think that... um, if 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 I can inquire the Lord, then I'm if I can have his mind, mm-hmm. then I'm I'm gonna touch a person. And but what's been beautiful, I do think um, you know, I have levels of relationships with different people, of course. Uh, but I think some of the deepest friendships, relationships of my life have been orchestrated by heaven. And I become very, very aware when God is doing something in that relationship that's showing me, Melody, this is more than just an acquaintance or, you know, a fair weather friend or, or whatever. This, this, is, this is a person that I really could have a level of doing healthy life with. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you hang out every day. It doesn't mean any of those things. You're kind things. of talking about partnering for a purpose. Partnering with a purpose and finding finding friendships where it's, even if we don't, like I'm just thinking of one woman that's in another nation and and we met, we connected in heart. There, there was, and actually it, I think it was the second time I talked that I found out she was a believer. I didn't even know she was a believer. But there was such heart connection. There was such an exchange of life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, I thought, oh, I just love this woman, you know. And, And now, a few years later, we still hold that. And we talk maybe maybe once every two months, you mm-hmm. know, unless there's a need to connect to each other. So it's not like we even talk that much, 
But boy, when we do, there is a heart connection. Yeah. So it's not like a trying to suck the life of somebody else you know, suck the life out of somebody else. So I have a friend and there's somebody to meet my need, but no, to find really a healthy, mature exchange of life. And like this one I'm talking about, we are so different. We have different ways of thinking and she's a believer, I'm a believer, but yet we have still very different ways of thinking, but there's so much mutual respect and so much of a celebration that we want to see each other succeed. That sounds like a friend to me. Yeah. And always we end, um, you know, you're such a valued friend, (laughs) you know, and we always talk about having each other as a valued friend. So it's, for people that struggle with making friends, I would say starting a friendship starts with a risk. Yes, it yeah. sure does. Mm-hmm. And so Always. I think the person uh, who asked this, you know, if you're in a new environment, you might have to take a risk. Yeah, it's true. To, um, to develop those relationships. Yeah. And uh, just to wrap this up, I think self-esteem is huge when it comes to this question, because the more you like yourself... Um, the the easier that risk is going to be. These people aren't going to like me. I don't even like me. (laughs) Because you're not going to take that risk nearly as as readily if you don't even, you know, you don't see the value, you don't see the good, you don't see what you have to offer in yourself. So um, we won't get deep into self-esteem, but I think the more that you learn to just love and enjoy who you are, the more you're going to be able to just be real and authentic, the more you'll be able to take that risk because if if they don't connect with you, you you still love yourself. You still value or you still see the good in you. It's not going to break down your whole self-esteem because Joe Schmo didn't, you know, connect with you right away. Um, and f- for me, like, I don't even, it's not like a decision I even made, but like when I pass a mirror, I smile. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just what I do. I just, I smile at myself in the mirror and it's not because I think I'm the best thing out there, <laughs> but it's because I just like who I am. <laughs> and so I think the more that you can do that is, you know, ask God, if you're, if you struggle in this area, ask the Lord what he loves about you. And if you really listen, he only has good things to say about you and you can always trust what he says. Um, and so listen to what he's saying and then start to choose to believe it. Um, because if if you have that low self-esteem, it's gonna be hard for you to even believe those things. But if you have to make a choice, say, well, I can trust what he's saying because he does. it's impossible for him to lie. Um, and if it's good about you, well, it's not the enemy speaking. So you can trust that it's his voice. And I think you can also then take that to, if you have a close person in your life, even if it's your mom, (laughs) ask them what they see in you. Start to grab a hold of those things. And it might feel if, you know, if you've struggled with shame or, um, you know, a a lack of, of loving who you are, then it might even feel like flattery. It might feel like, well, they're just saying that because they're my mom. Well, at some point you have to choose to believe that there is good inside of you. That's for you, Joe. Because Joel. there you is good that. inside of you. You're just saying that because you're my mom. And I go, no, I'm not. It's not flattery. Listen to what Katie, you just preached. <laughs> All right, well, I didn't bring that up. <laughs> yeah, but, you did. Well, no. <laughs> I didn't relate it to him, but... 
Yeah. The more you can actually believe that there is good inside of you, that you have something good to offer, then the more, again, you're going to take those risks. You're going to be okay if it's not an instant connection. You're going to push past the awkward phase. Uh, And ultimately, at the end of the day, you're going to go home with yourself and you're going to still enjoy who you are. So, okay. Good. (laughs) They both look like they've said enough. So... (laughs) Well, this next question ties into the previous one, but it's it's kind of the opposite of the question. Uh, the question is, I'm leaving one place to join another place. How do I transition well? Actually, I like this question a lot uh, because I think one of the biggest mistakes we make in our life is we don't know how to transition. And the fact is every one of us, and it might not be from one place to another physically or organizationally, but the fact is we're all in transition. We're all going from one place to another. And whenever we have to shift and there's change in our life and all those things, it comes with what we were talking about earlier, taking a risk. And um, and to to transition well, I believe, is an art that we have to develop. Um, I mean, for us to go in this house to be, Stephen and me being the co-pastors, senior pastors, and then uh, bringing on other pastors, that's a transition. Mm -hmm. You know, we had to go from, we made all the bottom line decisions, now we don't. And I mean, that was a beautiful transition. That was like, thank you, Jesus. But but uh, there's still transitions and learning to navigate them well is, is a real healthy thing. So the first one that I have down, it is always important to do your best to make sure there isn't a gap or harm to the place that you're leaving. So yeah. when you're changing, you want to... Uh, transition well. I remember when we left our first church and uh, it took quite a while before from the time the Lord spoke to us till we left uh, because we wanted to make sure there was another pastor in that church. Mm -hmm. We wanted to make sure uh, that we did it well. Uh, And so we worked very hard at reproducing ourselves. Well, you know, they didn't accept me at all. So there wasn't much to reproduce. (laughs) Uh, but, But the fact was, uh, even Jesus did this. Jesus was getting ready to transition to pay yeah. the price for our sin, you know, and transition back to heaven. So what did he do? He spent three years reproducing himself into 12 individuals that were going to establish the church. Yeah. So he had from the very beginning of p- picking his disciples, he had the transition in mind. Mm-hmm because he knew where he was going. And I think we're all in transition. So even if you're not in transition now, reproduce yourself. Find ways uh, not to just take what you have and hold on to it and, you know, not take the gift that's inside of you and reproduce it into somebody else. Just have that mindset of reproducing. And this isn't just in ministry. It's definitely in marketplace. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people want to have... um, what's the word, you know, uh, um, they want to have the market on their gift, you know, and they don't want anyone else to be able to do- Job security. (laughs) So they have job security when in actuality, uh, you become more irreplaceable by replacing yourself. 
because you're reproducing into others. So I think that's a really big key. But you know what it takes in the midst of that? It's having a heart that you care for the place that you're at. And um, so when you have that heart, you'll reproduce yourself. And that's not always possible, depending. But uh, to the best of your ability, I think that's, that's a big key. So I have some other things, but I'll let you guys talk. You seem passionate about this. I am. Because <laughs> I've transitioned a lot, and I've seen a lot of people transition. So I am passionate about it. <laughs> like you said... Transition can manifest itself in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think you can also transition through a, a way of thinking, and that's mm-hmm. just as difficult too. It's yes. not necessarily a place, but it's a, a thought pattern yeah. or a process or even a belief. Mm-hmm. Can, but, you, can you explain that a little bit more? Well, if you believe something about yourself that was a lie, sometimes that is a transition of like yeah. actually believing the truth. Okay. Yeah. Or you even have a belief about um, maybe it's in a religious sense and you thought this this is what it was supposed to look like and you, God starts revealing, no, actually that's more of a religious structure than actually my plan and purpose. That could be a real shift um a real shift, uh, uh, a yeah. difficult transition as well. Well, and sometimes those internal transitions lead to external transitions. Like if you've yeah. developed as a person, you realize, oh, I have to make a transition here to adapt to my new belief, mm-hmm. which could be anything from leaving a toxic relationship to leaving a church that doesn't have the same beliefs as you do anymore to Mm. a company that you realize that your values have shifted and it's no longer serving you or the company for that partnership to continue. So yeah, one can lead to the other. And I will say this because we're probably talking to a majority of Christians here. I think this comes up with maybe leaving a church. And one of the things that I saw over the years, because I've been doing, I don't know, 21 years, 22 years, something like that, is a lot of times people just over-spiritualize the change. (laughs) It's like they, well, God is telling me to do this. Well, actually, we've been in conflict for over a year. (laughs) And so you're just telling me, like, I I just think if you just over-spiritualize it, and I brought this up before, it's kind of like, hey, I'm coming to you for advice. This is what God told me. So either I have one option, you didn't hear God or God is lying kind of thing. So I think if you're actually seeking understanding or guidance, I don't think it's a great thing. And I'm not saying that you can't. I'm just saying, and if you really do feel like it's God, but I think sometimes people just put that tag on it to say... Giving themselves permission. Yeah, exactly. To do what they want. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why uh, changes in internal beliefs are very, you know, that transition because, because of what we believe, we do. We act out of our beliefs. So if there is a shift and God brings revelation or there is change internally, then now how do I navigate my actions? How do I navigate my decisions? And it's very hard to be functioning in one way because of our neural memory, right? This is my automatic patterns of thought, my automatic patterns of uh, functioning, you know, the muscle memory. You get in a car and you drive there and don't even yeah. remember the journey because you've done it so many times that to shift out of that, um, it it is a process internally. And so 
going back to what I said before, if we recognize that we grow line upon line, here a little, there a little, we will transition, we will change, we will be changed in the presence of God. Every time I have a an encounter with truth, it changes me on some level, and I do things differently than I did before, and you would think by my age that I would have arrived on some things, but it's like I think there's more change happening in me now than there was five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 some years ago when I got completely delivered of different things and and I look at it, I'm going, Lord, you are accelerating the change. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's because he is preparing us to be better living epistles read of all men, that we would represent the kingdom of God. And this, I'm totally getting off topic. I'm sorry, (laughs) I'm preaching. But we would represent the kingdom of God better through our own life. Because when we know we're doing the right thing, it it is so right inside of me. It heals me on the inside. And so if we recognize life is a life of transition and constantly growing and changing, not that there aren't covenantal relationships and, and commitments and those things that we have made choices to that are, are beautiful, but that's why I think we have to reproduce ourselves because uh, we know we are in, cha- in transition, but we want to help other people in the transitions in their life and help reproduce herself. And another thing I have, which is kind of a practical thing, and I but I think it's so important because a lot of times when we go to make a transition, we're very quick to blame or attack or find something yeah. bad mm-hmm. when in actuality we need to protect the people uh, and their reputation uh, of the people uh, or the place that we're transitioning from if well, we're moving is, out. All that is just justifying your action. Well, yeah, when we blame shift, we do, yeah. rather than, no, I'm going to honor them. And we, we've even said before, it's like, because we went through the times where people left and they had to find something bad about us to give them an excuse to go mm-hmm. because there was transitioning on the inside of them. And all we say, just say you need to transition, you yeah. know? And for a lot of them, we kind of knew it was happening way before they yeah. even communicated yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So if they would just say, man... I love you guys. I honor you. Thank you for all the... Thank you, you led me to the Lord. Thank you, you led me into the baptism. Thank you that you helped me process through and take me from a place where I didn't know how to write a check to, you know, make, you know, or whatever, you know, all the investment and the the things that just celebrating that and championing that and saying, but this is what I believe God is doing in my life now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And doing it with respect and honor and championing and even not just in public and not just to our faces, but in private to wherever they go, whatever they do. Uh, there is something so beautiful about that. And we've had people transition. And, you know, I'm just thinking if Brent is listening to us from <laughs> Trinidad and... Um, he transitioned out. And to this day, how many years later, 10, 12, whatever years later, he still champions. He still still celebrates. He still says, oh, mama, I'm so glad you spoke this into my life or whatever it might be. And we still to this day have a relationship, but he's not just 
in a different ministry. He has his own. He's in a different nation. And um, and so you think about that, but the relationship, the friendship still remains. And when, when we do this thing right, mm-hmm. we don't lose relationship. And then that, yeah. that celebration is there. So the fact is, if we do it right, we're going to have lifelong relationships. And I truly believe that if you desire to transition well, because the question was, how do I transition well? So they obviously want I believe want it. Yeah. if you desire to tra- transition well, that will most likely happen. Mm-hmm. Because you're doing the best That's that good. you can. Now, you can't control how other people respond, right. but you can control how you react. Mm-hmm. And if it's from a place of honor, a place of value and respect, that's kind of goes back to what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Now, if your heart is to leave a trail of destruction, then I would say you're the one that has the problem. Yes, most definitely. And so you got to check your heart. You got to keep your heart right. Um, because who who wants to be going through life just making messes and then hop, you know, like to me, that seems chaotic. I don't want to live my life that no. way. Yeah. Yeah, I think transition is scary. I think change is hard. It's scary. And I think the worst thing that you can do in transition is to let that fear lead you mm-hmm. because that's when um, the... You'll assume. What's that? You'll assume. If you allow fear to lead you, fear is false evidence appearing real. Yeah. You'll assume the worst. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I think that's where you start fault finding. That's where you have to blame. That's where you, um, or what often will happen is, um, you just leave, you run. Um, and I think that's fear led. I think it's, it is a scary thing to, um, to go to someone that you had relationship with, or even if it's not relationship, sometimes it, it could just be, um, you know, you're an employee, whatever it is. That's why you have a two weeks notice. It's to help you transition. It's to help them transition well. But sometimes out of fear, we just bolt. Like it would be easier for me to just disappear than to actually stand up to people. And now we're talking and about a relationship of, again. A lot of times that happens before you actually physically leave. Yeah. You just start pulling back, withdrawing. Yeah. Yeah. Not engaging, not communicating. I like where you, well, like you made the comment about, you know, a two-week notice. But when you're dealing with high-level positions in corporations, you know, or maybe a leader in a church or or somebody who has had a lot of responsibility, mm-hmm. that it's, it's not easy to replace somebody with that caliber of training and equipping, uh, they, they say, hey, listen, we need six months. We yeah. need my months. They have, they have a different standard. It's not a two-week thing yeah. with these individuals because to replace them is not an easy thing. Yeah, And so it does, once again, give them time to transition and the organization. Yeah. Now, I'm talking more from the corporate r- world, but the fact is, you know, that's necessary at times. Well, and I think if you're in that place of, of leadership, there should be some higher level of maturity that you understand that. Yes. I'm speaking more as someone who may have a lower level partnership um, with with a, a church. Let's just say a church because um, we can speak to that. But um you know, if you're transitioning elsewhere, to me, the best way to do that is it's going to be scary because there's going to be 
Um, even if it's a great thing that you're transitioning into, even if there's celebration on both sides, it's still, there's that element of the unknown. Uh, there's the element of leaving something that you were comfortable in, that you were safe in and moving on to something that you're not sure how it's going to go. Um, so don't let that fear lead the transition. Um, and I think communication, I think expression, I think communi- um, conversation helps to really break down that fear. Um, it pulls things to the surface. And if you just communicate, um, this is what I'm feeling. This is what's happening. This is what I'm I'm transitioning into this area. I'm just letting you know, I think communication is a sign of honor. I think it's a sign of respect. Um, but I think it also does help to alleviate that fear of even like, well, if I leave, then I'm losing relationship. And so rather than me being rejected, I'm just going to leave and I'm going to do the rejecting. I will reject you before you reject me. (laughs) Yes. And it, but it's to protect us. It's that self-protective mechanism to, to respond in fear rather than the courage of, of just being real, just being honest. Um, so well, like I said earlier, don't don't have an attitude that you're just going to leave a path of destruction. Right. Um, my thought is, if you go out with joy, you'll be led forth with peace. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So if you leave with fear, anxiety, destruction, what are you going to be led with after that? Mm-hmm. You'll be entering your new season with fear, all that discouragement, mm-hmm. all that baggage. But if you go out with joy, mm-hmm. then in that new season, you'll you'll have peace in that new season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also think you have to recognize that your life is not an Island and that you do affect other people. And, um, and so when you're looking to transition, maybe you are just trying to do it real quietly. And you know what, if you've attended a church for two weeks and you just leave that, you know, that's different. (laughs) We're talking about (laughs) if you had some kind of roots established and you're transitioning elsewhere, um, you got to recognize that your decisions do affect other people. That's not to say that you shouldn't make those decisions. It's just to say that you need to acknowledge that your life does have ties with other people and that those people are worth um, the value and the respect and the honor of just even saying, hey, this is where I'm at. This is, you know, I I still value you. I still um, value this relationship, this connection, but this is what's happening. And that can only be done if you confront fear. Exactly. Because if you walk in fear... Number one, or the most important thing is protecting yourself. Exactly. And you won't think of other people if you're motivated by fear. Yeah. And that's why I'm bringing this up. Don't let fear motivate this transition. Don't let it lead you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think another just practical thing is um, if you can push into gratitude in transition, Mm -hmm. be grateful as much as often as you can in and that helps you to see other people. If, if I can say, if I'm afraid, then I'm just going to um, forget all the good and just plow forward because I need to get through it. But if instead I can focus and say, oh, this person, I've partnered with them in this area and I'm so grateful for them that it, it helps you to see the value in them. It helps you to communicate that value um, and just being as grateful, as grateful, as grateful as you can for your current, uh, for your past season, for for where you, for what you've developed, for what you're taking with you. Uh, I think that is huge in helping to lead you well into your next season. And I I believe all that can only really be done in humility. 
because the fact is we do reap what we sow. Mm-hmm. That's and, what I was just going to say. That's why you want to transition well, yeah. because in that new season, you want to reap a good harvest. Actually, I have a great scripture for this in Galatians 6, 8, and it's in the uh, Passion. The harvest you reap reveals the seed you planted. Mm-hmm. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life, fear-based self-life, yeah. okay, Uh If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into the natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. And I think it's so important to have that humility and recognize the choice you are making is uh, because... Obviously, you believe God's calling you to do it, or you feel that's the right thing to do for whatever reason. And but one thing that I've seen through the years hey, we've had church splits, I know all this stuff. That's why we are purposing to develop a culture of a gossip free zone and a prejudice free zone because a lot of times, someone, uh, for whatever reason, they're choosing to transition, but the way to justify their transition is to gather as many other people people as they can to make that transition Mm. with them. And uh, so there's no humility. It is very fear-based. It's very pride-based. It's actually destructive to the kingdom of God. And, um, you know, it's, it, it harms people. And what's beautiful now, like, I mean, those splits were many, many, many years ago. Um, And it probably took 15 to 20 years for some people um, to say, man, you know, we didn't do that very well. Yeah. And of course, there's love and forgiveness and, you know, you know, connections and things like that. And and God's done a lot of healing, but we have to walk in humility. Mm -hmm. And if if I'm making a decision, that doesn't mean 10 other people need to make that decision with me to justify my decision. If God's really spoken to me, then I simply obey God and I do it right. I walk in humility and I protect the place that I'm leaving from. Yeah. I think a lot of times that stuff starts to happen when um, there's not communication with the leadership and it's happening to the side. Um, do you know what I mean? Like We've been talking yeah, like there's there's I love whispers. conversations that start out like that. <laughs> we've hey, been we've talking. been talking. Oh, we have. I didn't know. <laughs> Who's I we? wasn't invited to this conversation. And that might not even happen. That might just be happening yeah. totally to the side. Yeah. Um, so I think anytime- Obviously, we're coming from a, a pastoral perspective, <laughs> yeah. right? We've got a little experience. So I, but you I know mean, what? I've I seen those things that, happen in the marketplace too. Yeah. You know, there's no temptation taken us that isn't common to man. Yeah. It's just, it's a little bit different because in the marketplace, people are paid for it. So when they transition, uh, they've, you know, it deals with money and their livelihood and those things. Where here it's more of a, just an ego thing when it's a, you know, a ministry type Well, setting. the reason I said it's coming from a pastoral perspective because there are situations where people are in a church where it is abusive oh, or it, yeah. it's uh, they're being taken advantage of mm-hmm. or, and so obviously we're coming from a perspective of if the leadership is a good environment, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you're feeling a sense of like, Hey, this isn't the place anymore. There's a correct way to do it. Mm-hmm. Correct. You know? Um, I mean, I think even if there's, even if there's abusive leadership, 
than stating, hey, this is not okay. This is what my experience has been. This is to not okay. Leader. To yes. to the leader, not to everybody else, to the leader. It's still, it's still that communication of this is what is happening. Um, which I think that's a whole other, it's a whole other topic we're getting onto there. Um, but yeah, transition is not bad. It's it can be a very good thing. Yeah. Um, but it can be done bad and it can be done well. And uh, clearly this person wants to do it well. And when you do it well, like I said, you're going to have freedom in that new season. If you don't do it well, there's going to be that baggage. And and you don't, um, you don't lose what you've maybe built for years. Yeah. That still remains. And um, I remember we'd say, hey, guys, if you want to let us know, we'll bless you. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll support you. Uh we, we we didn't. I think relationships are way too valuable to lose. Mm-hmm. And just speaking from experience, the majority of people that do it well is far and few, few yeah, between. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. so, it's scary and yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And one last thing, because you just said um, about you setting yourself up for your new season. I do think we can transition so well that the relationships stay intact. But I also think into your next season, you have to let go of the maybe the structure or the way of doing things in the old season. Because even like the Israelites, you know, they're in the they're 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 going towards freedom, towards the promised land, and they're trying to hold to an old experience. And so if you say in a church experience, if you go into a new church and you're like, well, in my old church, mm-hmm. we did this, this, and this. And you're trying to then make them what was, I think that can make the transition more difficult because now you are- Especially for the new pastors. Especially for the new pastors. That is so funny because there is a person who caused great havoc, was a huge gossiper. Actually, when they transition, I'm going, thank you, Jesus, (laughs) they transition. And um, the first thing they did- When you guys said like- it, it should be excitement on both parts. And I kind of laughed and like, well, yeah, sometimes it is like excitement that, that it is going, that there is transition. And But they transitioned to this other church and they called me up and they said, you, they don't have this and this and this. And I said, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I, you made a choice. You deal with it. Don't you talk to me. That's a great pastor. It's a great church. You just... Yeah, suck it up and deal with it, you know. <laughs> but immediately they were calling to. Com- I mean, within a couple of weeks, complaining to me well, about the church that they went to. Clearly, the culture inside that person was exactly. just following them. But I think even if if you know you do everything well on the one side, then just recognize there is going to be change yes. on the other side. There's going to be an awkward phase. There's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be you got to start from scratch, getting to know people, getting to know the way they do things. So don't run from that necessarily just because it's new. And I think, you know, cognitively we all could recognize that, but sometimes we cross over and like, oh, did I make a mistake when there is just going to be some some kinks to work out until it gets, you know, Um, I believe this was Bill Johnson and we can probably close with this because we've gone a long time. But Bill Johnson said that, you know, the old um, church model was I'm in a church because I agree with everything. And if they, if we disagree on something, I have to leave yeah. and find a place that I agree with. So that's why people are hopping all over because nobody ever agrees the same on everything. But they said the apostolic model, it's based upon relationship. Mm. And we might not agree on everything, 
but we value the relationship. And I think that's so important because if it's just about the systemic structure, if it's just about what uh, a, a place or a, a group of people do, then we're focusing on the wrong level. We've got to go and say, people are valuable, relationships are valuable, and I'm going to live my life to try to protect those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, we have covered the whole map today in this episode. Um, but we hope you got something good and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.